Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we will study God's Word. Good morning, everyone. I'm Brian Wren, your transition lead pastor, and it's a joy to actually be with you on this sticky, muggy, non-air-conditioned day at PCC. If you're at home today and it's cooler, we're jealous, but we're glad that you're with us, whether you're online or in person. As we kick off a study of the book of James, uh, I begin with the reading of God's Word. So if you would, grab your own Bible. You can grab the Pew Bible and open up to page 1216. We're going to look at the first 12 chapters of James today. I believe it's life-changing if we can hold this perspective and live into it. It'll change us and actually change the world around us if we help others live into this passage. So it's James chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. In the Pew Bible, it's pages 1216. Hear the words of the Lord. And may they touch your soul. James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But if any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. But when you ask, hmm, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in a humble circumstance ought to take pride in their high position. Did you hear that? Believers in a humble circumstance ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they'll pass away just like the wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away while they go about their business. Our final line. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive what? The crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is the word of the Lord. And today, may it touch and guide your soul. As we begin this series, it's called Faith That Works. And it's a study in the book of James. And what I love about this is it makes me ponder biblical characters and brings forth this first question. If you could spend time with any other biblical character besides Jesus, Jesus is always the easy answer, all right? If you could pick any other biblical character, whom would you choose that you could go walk with, talk with, get to know, ponder, relive their story, learn from them? Who would you choose? Name a couple. Who do you really want? What biblical character would you love to spend time with? Who was that? Moses, Moses yeah. Paul. Who was that, Kevin? Daniel. Somebody said Mary, Martha, Esther. I mean, it goes on and on, right? It could be Noah. It could be Hosea. It could be, I'd like to hang out with one of those angels at one point. 
All right? They always spooked everybody out, and then they're like, how'd you get this job, first of all? That's what I'd want to know. All right? But in the end, I actually think, for me, it'd be James. There's something about James. As a good Catholic kid, I had to pick a name at confirmation. I picked James. I don't know, there's something about James for me. And when I really get down to it, I'm intrigued because he's the brother of Jesus. So he grew up with Jesus. And at one point, you can look this up, it says he's his brother in Mark 6, 3, but it goes on to talk about in Mark uh, 3 how his family thought Jesus was out of their mind. The brothers and sisters looked around one day and went, we need to go get him. He's out of his mind. And then there's another line in John 7, 5, where the brothers didn't believe anything he was saying. So Jesus' own family, as he grew up, doubted him. But then there's this moment that I think becomes the life-changing moment. At some point, there was a shift in James because James, the doubter, at one point then became the witness. You can look it up in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, where Jesus presents himself to his brother after the resurrection. And from there, he went from a doubter to a leader of the Christian church amongst the Jews. So the Jews who put faith in Jesus, who was the bishop, the head, the pope of those people? It was James. And then he was martyred for him. Went from a doubter to a martyr. I mean, let's just... Put your siblings in perspective right now. Pick a sibling, anyone. Would you die for their agenda? Would you die for your brother or sister's agenda? James was willing. Historically, this is proven, and I love this because it gives historical proof of the existence of Jesus and of James in that time. There's a historian, Josephus, and the neat part about Josephus is this. He's not one of the tribe. Josephus was a Jewish historian. He just tracked Jewish history. So anything that was anti-Jewish, he really wasn't for because he was what? A Jewish historian, all right? And this is what it says in his writings, the Antiquities of the Jews. It says, but there was this younger uh, Ananus, who, as we were told you already, took the high priesthood. So this guy, Ananus, was a high priest. He was a Jew. And he was a bold man in his temper and very insolent, meaning arrogant. He assembled the Sanhedrin judges, and so this, this arrogant, bold-tempered uh, priest is brought together, all the Sanhedrin judges, and he's brought before them the brother of Jesus, the so-called Christ. Do you see Josephus' bias here in his writing? He doesn't believe in Jesus, but he's historically recording it. And he goes on to say, he brought before them the brother of Jesus, the so-called Christ, whose name was what? James, and some others. And then when this priest, when he had formed an accusation against them as breakers of the law, he delivered them to be what? Stoned or martyred. James' death is, is, is historical. It's in the annals. It's made known. There was this guy named Christ that James believed in who was his brother, and he was stoned for him in around um, 60 AD. So why do we need this book? Why do we need the book of James? 
I think we need a faith that actually works, right? It can't just be this faith that shows up here, but we really do need a faith that works and is much more than knowledge. I think we need a faith that helps us work out the lies that are out there, the lies about how we can operate, how we think, what we should do and not do, and leads us in truth. I also think we need a faith that works because if we're able to make it work, we can then show others how faith in Christ works. Does that make sense? How it really, really works when we're faced with trials, when we're faced with temptations, when we're figuring out how to control our tongue. Are you hearing some of the themes of James right now? Super practical stuff. Super practical stuff. It's kind of like the book of Proverbs, and it lays out how faith can and will work. So let's jump right in. Who was this written to and why? The opening lines tell us, I already read them, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, can we just be in awe of the word servant there? Are you willing to be a servant to your sibling right now? They would have to be about something so much grander for you to do that, true? James was willing to be a servant to God and to his brother who he wrote and said is the Lord Jesus Christ. But look who he's writing the book to, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. These are the Jewish believers in Christ because of persecution are scattered throughout the Middle East and into Europe. And so it's an open letter. Hey, remember me? I was a Jew too. And remember, I put faith in my brother, and you have too, and I'm writing you right now because I think there's some very important things you need to know. And then look at the first four words. Consider pure joy. (laughs) Well, that's a good start. But look what he goes on to say. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, it makes sense he would say that opening line, that there would be trials of many kinds. It's a harder truth that he would say to them, consider it pure joy. But we're going to get to the reasoning of why it can be considered pure joy. But let's just get to the fact that he says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, this is a good truth for us to hold on to right now. Because trials, it's not a matter of if, but when. It's not that there's going to be a few, but many. Do you see it in the line? Whenever you face trials of many kinds, not if, but when, not a few, but many. Not if, but when, not a few, but many. Not if, but when, not a few, but many. Can you say it with me? Not if, but when, not a few, but many. Not if, but when, not a few, but many. Not if, but when, not a few, but many. Not if, but when, not a few, but many. Not if, but when, oh my. Not a few, but many? This kind of has like a Mary Poppins Hamilton thing going on to it, doesn't it? I hit all the generations there, didn't we? That was good. Remember, we're an intergenerational church. Some of us know who Mary Poppins is. Most of us all know about Hamilton. Not if, but when. Not a few, but many. Not if, but when. Not a few, but many. Welcome to the Christian life. We've got to come to terms with that truth in order even to move forward. Because if we just want it comfortable, um, 
It actually won't be either way, whether you walk with Christ or if you don't. And here's what's so interesting to me. He opens up that line, and he would have heard this line from his brother often. In this world, you will have what? Trouble. In John 16, 33, one of the most profound statements, I think, in all Scripture is when Jesus declares, hey, I've overcome the world, but in this world, you will have trouble. And his brother is passing on the exact same message. Trouble trials, same thing. Not if, but when. Not a few, but many. Catchy and true. This leads us to our first truth. Throughout James, there's going to be these truths, kind of like in Proverbs, where there's these poignant truths, and we're going to pick them out and call them truths every week and wrestle with these truths. And the first truth is this. Trials involve testing. We've just proven there'll be trials. And he's saying to us, can you consider it joy? And we're going to figure that out right now. But trials involve testing. Look at uh, the next line, verse 3. He goes on to say, consider pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know, verse 3, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So trials involve testing, and testing, if we allow it to ourselves to be tested over and over again through these trials, it results in perseverance, and perseverance will lead us to what? Maturity not lacking anything. Here we come now back to a really strong, hard truth. Jesus Jesus came to make you more like him through trials. Do you realize that? Jesus came to make us more like him through trials. Trials are a natural part of our life, but they're the number one way in which they test us and refine us and have the ability to make us like him. I was in a spin class over at the club yesterday, working out in the morning outside, and this is what the spin teacher had to say. She said, you know, we're not going to get anywhere if we're just, we're just comfortable. And I was like, she's talking like James right now. All right? She's like, pick it up, everybody. Crank it up. Let's do this. You're not, nothing's going to change unless you, if you're comfortable. And I was like, ugh, I don't feel like doing this, you know. But trials have the potential, if we persevere through them, to make us more like Christ. I want you to think of it in this terms. There's these fruit of the Spirit that God is yearning to produce in us. You know the words love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, gentleness, faithfulness. This is what God's wanting to produce in us because that's who Christ is and that's what he wants us to reflect. And here's what will happen. God will allow us to experience personal failure where we think we're no good and not good enough over and over again so that we learn that we are loved. God will allow us to have trials in our life and trials in our life and trials in our life and trials in our life so that he can actually show you how you can have joy in the midst of trials. But I think we need the lapse. I think we need the repetition to learn that. How about this one? This is a key one for me. The unknown future, he will allow to have an open unknown future for you so that he can grow in you peace. I once went to my spiritual director and I said, 
He's like, Why, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about chasing peace. He's like, what do you mean? I go, I, go, I just want to chase peace and catch it and hold on to it and live in that. And my spiritual director says to me, you seem to be denying your humanity that that's probably not possible and not understanding the reality that God can produce that in you even when you haven't had everything you needed. Does that make sense? How about this one? Doesn't God often put slow plans in our life, really slow plans, plans that are just too what, slow, all right, to build patience in us? Isn't it true that he'll put us in bad situations and have the opportunity to make bad choices when he'll give us a chance and chance and chance again to choose good? We all have these experiences in life where I think we can claim, like, I've been through this, I took another lap in that, and I finally, with God's help, experienced this and didn't go that way. How about great loss where you had great faith in a person or something to happen and You've had loss upon loss, and God is wanting to say, but have faith, have faith. This time around, have faith. How about addiction? I come from an addictive background, addictive family, and what's been so wonderful is how God has brought freedom through that and brought self-control. But that has taken time. That has taken time, and it's taken his power and presence. It's taken those trials. How about the obvious the person that's mean, who's harsh, and God's calling you to gentleness and kindness and graciousness? He's endlessly bringing those people into our lives, right? Those are the trials because God is wanting to produce the fruit in us. Trials involve testing so that we can be refined more into Christ-likeness. If you jump into our series, Full Bore, you'll see a video this week of Francis Chan, who's helping lead our study. He's talking about how testing is like smelting. I'm not really into smelting. Is anybody else into smelting? All right? I don't work much with iron. But smelting is the place where they take the metals and they heat it and they heat it and they heat it. And you can see it in the screen. The impurities rise up and then they move those off. And then they heat it and then they heat it and then they heat it. And the impurities rise off and they push those off. And after a while, you can look and see your reflection in it. As we go through the heat of trials, we become more like him and reflect him. But we have to acknowledge that that's what he wants to do. Okay, I got some hand motions for you because we just got really deep and serious there. So we need to bring it up in a little lightness. In the end, God is yearning for us to be able to relate to Jesus in our trials, in his trials. So put your hands out like this. It's like your hands are on your shoulders. It's like Jesus has his hands on your shoulders. In your trials, Brian, you're just relating to my own suffering. That's part of what I'm allowing you and wanting to experience. But then, Brian, if you rely on me, put your hand up. I will give you strength through your trials. I want you to relate, but I want you to rely. Because what I want you to do, Brian, is I want you to reflect. I want you to reflect. Come on, stay with me. Come on, this is exercise. I want you to reflect. I want you to reflect to the world. And I want to recycle your suffering for the good of others. Are you with me? Jesus is saying, he's got his hands on you. Relate with me. Rely on me. Reflect me, would you? And let me recycle it. Our second truth is this. Trials involve trust. He just laid out how there's going to be trials. 
But then he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. You are not alone in your trials. You can rely on him. Sure, you can relate to his pain now because of your trial, but you can rely on him. And he says, but when you ask, trust me. Did you hear that? But when you ask, trust me. Why leave yourself in a place that you would just not trust me? I'm going to let you go through trials, okay? We're going to relate. But let me, rely on me and trust me because look what he says. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. The person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. That person should not expect to receive anything from, from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable. You should see how unstable I get. When I start thinking about my own future, the future of my kids at times, my own security fears around things I put my security in, oh, you should see how unstable I get. And then it'll be amazing. God at one point then will take me back to a truth and I'll get stabilized. And I'm like, that is right. I believe that, God. Yes, you've come through so much in the past. But as humans, remember, it's hard to be stable. But you can always come back and do what? Ask and believe. Ask and trust. Ask and believe. Ask and trust. You have a choice in that. How about this line? When we don't hold on to the truths of God in the trials, we become unstable in the strong cultural winds of life. Isn't it true? God has a plan for your life, and sometimes we go out there and ask other people, what's the plan for my life? And they give you this, and they give you that. Meanwhile, God's saying, just hold on. It's coming. It's here. But we get tossed and tossed and tossed. Think about your own identity, all right? Think about the challenges that young kids are going through about their identity. They're being tossed and tossed and tossed. And meanwhile, God's saying, you're this, and I have this plan for you. Meanwhile, they're getting tossed and tossed and tossed. We're just like that. Even as adults, we're easily tossed. Then he throws in this next line. A little confusing. Why'd you put this in here, God? Because he wants us to know that not even wealth can inoculate us from trials. Look what he says. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. That makes no sense. Believers in humble circumstances, and he's talking about the poor, ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away just like a wildflower. Everybody dies, even those trials catch up to the rich. Does that make sense? So what he's just, he's, getting, he's, he's making the playing field flat here. Everybody has trials. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away while they go about their business. Rich or poor, wealth will not insulate us from our trials. And then he drops the final line, verse 12, about this topic matter. And he says this, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown, the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. This crown of life is often referred to as a martyr's crown. It's referred to in this passage and then in Revelation in 2.10, when Jesus is talking to the church of Samaria, and he's saying this, this crown will be bestowed upon those who persevere under trials. And he tells the church of Samaria this, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. 
Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. We know this. Whatever happens here on earth, it's better in heaven. All right? Whatever happens here on earth, we receive eternal life through faith in Christ. But I also believe this. Whatever happens here on earth, I believe we can actually receive the crown of life of his peace, of his presence, of his joy, even in the midst of that. Has anybody experienced that? Say amen. Yes, not all of us, but enough of us to prove that. That this is declaring, when it ever says blessed in the Bible, it means most satisfied. That you can still be satisfied in the midst of any trial because of the presence of Christ. So as we close out this message, I need you to ponder this. I've given you three, tru- three truths today. And when you take three truths and you combine them in the one, you know what you have? You have a turbo truth. All right? And I need you to remember this turbo truth. All right? And here's the turbo truth. Trials from God involve what? Say it with me. Testing. Trust in triumph. Three very different things. Three very different things. And you've got to wrestle, and I've got to wrestle with all of them. And that's what I'm calling you to right now, and us as a body. Which of these truths, you'll see it on the screen, are you wrestling with the most? That the fact that he allows testing, how dare he may allow testing? This is a question I need you to reflect on. It's coming up on the screen right now. Is it testing? Is it testing? Is it truth you're wrestling with? Is it the fact that you can trust him? So is it testing? Is it trust? Or is it, I got to wait till heaven? Or is there a reward on earth? What is this triumph thing? I'm not feeling triumph in the midst of my trial. Which one of those are you wrestling with? And then I want you to do this now. What is the trial you're holding? Put your hand out. What is the trial you're holding? I want to give you a moment here. What is the trial that you're holding? Ponder that. Is it a circumstance? Is it a relationship? What is it that you're holding? And do you need to ask God for wisdom and perseverance? Do that right now. What do you want to say to God about that trial in your hand? Maybe I hate it. Where are you? Or God, give me wisdom and perseverance. Take a moment. As we move forward together in this series, I want to encourage you to do this in community. If you click, if you put your camera on this uh, QR code in the back, you can get in a group that starts this week. I want to highly encourage you. These are in the front pews. It's the back side of that card. Join a group. We have material on the back table, study questions for folks to walk through, tied to some video series that you can also uh, get on our website. This is the time to become the community again at PCC, to rejoin, regather, and wrestle with things like trials, and how about next week, temptation. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you today. You're such a good God, and we are your people. And we ask today that you would do a new and fresh thing in here with regards to what it means 
to experience a faith that works. And as Lord, we start today with trials. We ask God that you would help us be people who understand they'll be testing. I trust you as we go along. And in the end, God, understand there's a triumph on earth and in heaven that's waiting for us. So Lord, go before us, do a new thing in us. And Lord, then use it to change the world around us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Thank you for tuning into our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.